We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on 2 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. Well, this morning I've entitled our message, Understanding Our Future, Understanding That We Have a Protection Against Mockers. We've been working through a uh, the book of Second Peter now for several weeks. We are approaching the last two sermons. This week, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and then I will be on vacation, and then we'll come back and finish the latter part of Second Peter. But nevertheless, uh, this is Peter's second letter to the believers of his time, and even to us today, as there are timeless truths that we find here. Now, he hasn't taken it easy on these false teachers, and clearly we've seen why. Throughout the last two chapters, we've seen Peter instructing us on what false teachers, what fake Christians look like, and why we should stay away from them. We've seen the evil that they bring upon the church, and the results of those that are preyed on, from these false teachers. And what Peter calls them is springs without water. Dried up wells. Today Peter is going to move from the illusion that they have of these false teachers these the, to the mocking that these pseudo-Christians make toward Jesus Christ and His second coming. So our outline that we've been looking through is kind of a five-section Outline. First, we looked at the salutation. Then we looked at avoiding false teachers by understanding faith. Then we looked at avoiding false teachers by understanding the Scriptures. Understanding false teachers by understanding false teachers. And then lastly, chapter 3, we're going to deal with avoiding false teachers by understanding your future. And so we, understanding our future, listen, will help protect against mockers. So we'll see that these mockers, these scoffers, these scorners, are to increase in the days to come, in the last of the last days. There will come a time in which we will find an increase in the mockings of Jesus Christ and His coming. Peter wants us to be prepared as Christians to encounter such Folks, so if you will turn in the book of Second Peter with me, chapter three, we'll begin by reading in verse one to ten. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets. And the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. 
For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded by water. But by this, by His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. That with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and like a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to would perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and His works will be burned up. There are a few things that I want us to gather from the text today. And as we walk through this, you'll see that I believe will help clarify some of these things as we walk through these ten verses. First thing I want you to see is that we are reminded by Peter of the past. Secondly, we are instructed by Peter for the present. And thirdly, we are warned by Peter about the future. We are reminded, we are instructed, and we are warned about the past, the present, and the future. So let's begin this morning by seeing we are reminded by Peter of the past. Peter is a great teacher. He knows and understands that sometimes in order to understand the present, we need to think about the past. He says, now this... Uh, beloved, is the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm stirring your mind up by, way, by a sincere way of reminder, so that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. He, he has stated that this is again the second letter that he is writing, only making sense to conclude that Peter is referring back to the book of First Peter, which he has already written, and just like in the first book, so in the second, both were written to stir up the Christians by way of reminder. If you remember in verse 12 of chapter 1, we looked at understanding false teachers by understanding the Scriptures, and it was by way of repetition that Peter wants us to understand the Word of God. And so here he is again emphasizing the repetitive teaching to his people. Now, while we know these letters were written to the church, to Christians, it doesn't mean that if you're listening today or you're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ, that there is nothing that will be spoken to you about. No, much of what we are going to talk about today should perk your ears up as an unbeliever. For one that has never put their faith and 100% trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Because really what Peter is doing is warning what will take place in the days to come. In the last days. And so like so many good teachers, though it pre-assumes you already know these things, it's by way of reminder that he is going to teach them. So we need to hear, we need to be prepared to stand against these scoffers that will indeed arise in these last days. Which, if we're going to be honest, they are on their rise and they have been for some time. 
If you've noticed in the last, in those days, mockers were mocking Christians and their belief that Jesus would return. And Peter is going to bring much light to this matter today. He says here, now this again is the second letter I'm writing. He's wanting to arouse your thinking, to stimulate your ability to think wisely, to know these things, so use your mind so that you can think with pure thoughts. And really, Peter is on a purpose here for stimulating our thinking. So he says, so that you may remember the words spoken in verse 2, by the holy prophets, that's the Old Testament, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles, that's the New Testament. Jude says it this way in verse 17, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are very parallel teachings. Peter wants to jog our memories of the words that are spoken beforehand, the predictions that were made prior to the holy by the holy prophets. But don't miss the fact that Peter is making a distinction between the holy prophets and the not-so-holy prophets. The unholy prophets, the, the, the pseudo-Christians, the pseudo-prophetes, the unbelievers, the false prophets that will indeed arise. And so as what we saw in chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says, I want remind you what these devoted people spoke about when God's message was said. What is he talking about? What are the words that were spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the apostles, by the Lord? Well, it's referring back first to the Old Testament prophets. And Peter wants his readers to start recalling the prophecies that were recorded in the Old Testament, ultimately about the second coming of Jesus Christ. These Old Testament prophets said He would come, and He came. And now they say He's coming again, and He will. And we also have the New Testament and the apostles there, and they say He's coming back again for a second time. And He will. Throughout the Old Testament, these prophets continually predicted God's eschatological judgment. You'll see it found in Isaiah 66. Turn there if you will. Isaiah 66, verse 15 and 16. He says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and His chariots like the whirlwind to render His anger with fury and His rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and by His sword on all flesh. And those slain by the Lord will be many. L listen, this isn't the good old grace-filled message that everything's going to be alright at the end. No, this is a prediction that there will be absolutely flaming thrust and wrath of Almighty God at some point in the days to come. We find the example as well in Malachi chapter 4. Flip there if you will. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace. And all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff and the day that is coming will be will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But, 
For you who fear my name, the Son of the Righteousness, will, will rise with healing on its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, from the very beginning, the warnings of God's wrath to come will unfold on humanity. It's from the very beginning of the Old Testament to the end in which we find the theme of God's final wrath to come. Often called the day of the Lord, and it's no doubt it's clearly heralded throughout the Bible. We see it in Ezekiel chapter 30 verse 3. We see it in Joel chapter 2 verse 31. We see it in Micah chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. We see it in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 to 18, and chapter 3, verse 8, and we see it here in Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5. But we're also reminded in the New Testament by the apostles. We see it in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Judgment will be passed on at this time. Bring to light that which is hidden in the darkness. Listen, that's what we want for people, isn't it? We want the truth to be exposed, unless it's us. Because I know that none of us come this morning with hidden sin in our lives. If you recall, you see it in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9. Listen, we understand the past has been accomplished in many ways through His coming to this earth to rescue man. To give you a hope and a way into salvation. But hear me very clearly. You can deny the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You can reject His grace that He has bestowed upon you in your life today, but know this, the day is coming in which He will pour out His retribution on all of humanity, those that reject God, the Gospel, and do not obey the things of the Lord. He is coming back again. Be reminded of the past so that you can be prepared for the present, which is today. Listen, they said He would come again, and He will. John 14.6 reminds us that He will come again and receive us to ourselves, that where He is there we may be also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 2, Paul said, For you and yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Matthew 16.27 For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels and will then repay every man according to His deeds. This is a message for the believer and it's a message for the unbeliever. Be reminded of what was spoken in the past for the sake of the present. God has given you the ability today. He has given you breath in your lungs, He has expounded grace like never before on this nation. He is coming back with the pure flaming wrath and justice of God. It's a message that needs to be heralded today. Yes, we want to talk about the love of God. All the worship songs are all about you. 
Listen, this thing is not about you. It's not about me. Everything in Christianity is about a mighty God who has by His grace provided a way for you to come into salvation. Now you lack one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. This is, this is about Almighty God who loved you enough to send and to sacrifice His very Son. Because I can tell you when He comes back, it will not be pretty. He's already come once as a servant on a donkey. But when He comes back and He brings judgment, He will come back on a white horse and He will pour out His retribution on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a fun message. But it is a gracious message. Because you have the ability to respond by the grace that's been given you today. We are reminded by Peter of the past that the predictions came to be and will come to be. But also, secondly, I want us to see we are instructed by Peter for the present. Peter shifts from the the past to the now. Peter is going to make it very clear that we will encounter these days in which mockers, scoffers, and scorners will belittle the Christian hope in the coming of Christ. Peter says, know this first of all, that the last days mockers will come. They didn't say might will come or, or have a good chance. No, they will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? You've said He's been going to be coming for so long. Now, where is His coming? Where is the promise of His coming? Ever since the Father fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. So what we've seen here is that we now move from one stage to another. He starts out with, know this first of all. What Peter wants us to get is that mockers are indeed coming. In our case, mockers are here. It says in the last days, it's speaking of the time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming, which puts us in that time slot awaiting the physical return of Jesus Christ. These mockers, it says, are mocking because they are following after their own lust. One translates it says that they're following after their own sinful desires. Of course they are mocking. Think about it for a moment. I mean, they can't have Christ returning to judge the living and the dead. That, 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 that would mean there are repercussions. So they mock, and they scoff, and they scorn. But let it be a warning that while they mock today, hoping for the best, those fake teachers, Christians, they will hope to keep their lives secure, but they won't. Because of their own lust, because of their unwillingness to repent of their sins and trust the gospel of Jesus Christ, to turn back to God, He will indeed fulfill His promise. How many of you remember in grade school when the teacher said, I'll be back, and they stepped out of the classroom? It was party time, wasn't it? Now, we had to control that partying. Because the truth was that the teacher was going to come back. And, and we couldn't be all rowdy or we would get detention or suspended from school. 
But imagine for a moment that teacher saying, I'm going home for the day, y'all. I'm leaving. They packed their bags. They walked out. Boy, it would have been a party, wouldn't it? We would have just celebrated. Teacher's gone. Ain't coming back. And listen, that's the way the world's living today. As if Jesus is not going to return. And they're living in habitual sin. They're having a good old time. But nevertheless, they think the teacher is not returning and so they continue in their sinful thinking. They claim He isn't coming back. And listen, worst of all, they claim He's not coming back and they want you to buy the lie. Why? Because they don't want to party alone. The devil likes company. The devil wants you to be a part of his game plan. But I can promise you this, we have the end of the story. You don't want to be on his team because he loses in the end. He loses real bad in the end. And everybody who follows his ways will end up with him in a place called hell, eternally separated from God. He's coming back. And while these mockers want you to think he's not, he is. Listen, they will say everything looks the same. Nothing's changed since the creation of the world, Pastor. You know, it's interesting because I just had this experience online the other day uh, debating with a man. Oh, Jesus isn't coming back. It's just a big hogwash. Okay. Ain't nothing changed, Pastor. Oh, really? So Peter continues in verse 5, so they will maintain this. It escapes their notice that by the Word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed, with, formed out of the water and by water, through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water. You don't think God is involved, my friends? You don't think things have changed from since the time of creation? I love the King James translation here. It says, for they were, they were willingly ignorant. Look, they, they can't hide their head in the sand long enough, but, but, but willingly being ignorant of the fact that God is still very much involved is unescapable. It escapes their notice that by the Word of God, the heavens existed. The fact that God spoke with His voice and the very world for which we live was created out of nothing by the command of Almighty God. And it's through this Word that God flooded the earth and destroyed everyone but eight people. Does that sound like a God that's not involved? How about Lot and Sodom? God burned it to ashes. Does that sound like a God that's not involved? How about Jesus Christ? Bursting through the floor system of heaven, becoming a man, born of a virgin, dying on a cross, giving His life up that you might live, that you might have eternal life. Does that sound like a God that's not involved in humanity? Seeing your desperate need, your, in, your inability to reestablish a broken relationship with God. And so God, in His great love and mercy, providing a way. Does that sound like a God who's not involved? You see, they can turn their heads from the truth and exchange it for a lie. But it does not change the fact that they are willingly ignorant. In the terms of a dear brother from Montana, Rob Green, said it this way, they are dumb on purpose. Scoffers will scoff, mockers will mock, scorners will scorn, but Jesus says He is coming back. 
Just like in the past He came, so he, we must be aware that it's the present tense is now. He's saying He's coming. And ever since He left, we need to be prepared for that coming. Because listen, it will be too late then. He's giving you the opportunity to respond today. And I know that many times, I, I just try to put myself in the unbeliever's shoe. And the preacher's up here, he's preaching his heart out, he's telling people to repent, to believe the gospel, repent of your sins. And I remember prior to March 25th, 2001, me going, that man is full of it. But listen to me very clearly. He's coming back. And when He comes back, it will be absolutely terrifying. So how will you respond today? We are reminded by Peter of the past that even the prophets spoke of His coming and He came and they spoke of His second coming which will come to pass. If the first one came to pass, you better put your bed in the second one's going to come to pass as well. We are instructed by Peter for the present. Today is the day of salvation. We need to understand where we are today. And lastly, thirdly, we are warned by Peter about the future. Peter will make it clear that the King is coming, but He's only going to come in His timing. But He will show up. Peter says, by His Word, the present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Why in the world would we chase after the things of this world? Why would we, why would we dedicate our lives to, to, to collecting everything that, that's being prepared to be burned up? It's the beauty of living for our future. It's the beauty of making decisions today that are not for the temporal, but for the eternal. So that the things we do, the time we spend, the investments we make with our times, our talents, and our treasures are not simply for in the now, but they are stored up for those things that we are going before. Because everything on this earth will be burnt, no matter how beautiful it is. No matter its value. It will not stand the test of fire, my friends. So why would we ever live our lives for the now. We should be living our lives for the temporal. Because listen, every single one of us in this room will die. Every single one of us will either be cremated or put in a casket and lowered in the ground. And you can say whatever you want at your funeral, but listen to me very clearly. I've never in my life been to a funeral where somebody has gone to hell. The Bible says there's more going down than there's going up. You will stand before Almighty God and you will give an account for your life. And my plea, my begging, is that you won't wait another day, but that you will respond to the grace that He has given to you in this day, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, He is warning about the future. It's coming. It's being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment. 
It's by the same Word, the very Word of Almighty God, the One who created something from nothing that brought about man onto this earth, that breathed into their life the, the, the breath of life. It's this very God by the same command that will bring about judgment on a day you have no idea. It tells us the present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for judgment and the destruction of ungodly men and women. Here's another verse to put in your notes which points to the destruction of these fake Christians, these false teachers, these mockers of God. Just another reason for us as believers to what? Ridicule them? Persecute them? No. It should give us a heart and a desire to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should give us a yearning passion to go into the highways and byways and tell people Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? It should give us a, a heart for the gospel. He has given us the good news. He has given us something more valuable than anything in the world. And what I have that I love, I, I act on. If you love the gospel, why are we not telling the world that they need Christ? Because we're too embarrassed? We're scared they might ask us a question we can't answer? Who cares? Go tell them Jesus is coming. That they need to repent of their sins and believe the gospel. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. Funeral after funeral after funeral where people have not trusted in Jesus Christ, have not trusted in the gospel, have been buried in the ground and died and are in hell. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter how much the man gets paid. God, they are not in heaven looking down on you today, rejoicing because there was a few people at your funeral. That wouldn't be heaven. That would be hell. But listen to me very clearly. You will die. And you will be judged by Almighty God. And it won't matter what you've done on this earth. Oh, I've lived a good life. I gave to the poor. I helped the needy. Listen, the plead is this. It's a passionate plead. Believe Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Because if you think you're going to go to God and you're going to stand before Almighty God and God's going to say, come on in, you did good things. You've missed it. Christ died on the cross. Your good works mean nothing in light of your salvation. They are only a byproduct of the work that God has done in you. But, but we don't need to brag about those works. We need to praise God that He has transformed our lives and given us a hunger to thirst after the things of God and His righteousness because we want to lovely and, and be lovely and pleasing to our Father because we love Him and we're so grateful for the sacrifice that He gave for us to have life. He is coming back to destroy. And therefore, we need to tell people to repent, to return for judgment is coming so that your sins may be wiped away. Listen, I understand people may not come back after this message, but that's not my problem. God tells me to preach the truth of God's Word and He'll fill the church. And I'm telling you, Jesus says He's coming back and He's coming back with the pure, the pure flaming wrath and justice of God. I wouldn't love you if I didn't tell you that. I would just say, oh, just keep living your life like you're living and it's okay. You know, oh... Let's sing Kumbaya. 
If your house is on fire, it would be inhumane not me to scream out and say, get out! Your house is on fire! Oh, it's okay. You know, I got insurance. <laughs> no, you're going to die. Get out! <laughs> if need be, I what? Break in the house and pull you out. Because they don't get it, do they? Their house is on fire. And they don't have long before the fire burns them to the ground. Well, listen, we don't have long. I don't know how long we have, but I know that every time that minute clicks, this one day, one minute closer, He's going to come back and He's going to judge. So we need to trust Christ so that our sins may be forgiven. That we might be seen by God as holy and righteous, not because of us, but because we are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Stop trying to run from God as if He isn't coming. I mean, think about that. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus bursts through the clouds. And it's too late. Oh, man, I was wrong. Like, it's too late. There, there is no second chance. When all of a sudden God becomes real in your life, you've missed the boat. So stop trying to run. Not one soul here today knows the hour that you will step into eternity. You will step into eternity unless Jesus returns before then. Do you know that you know that you know that if you were to die today or Christ were to come back that you would go to heaven? That you would meet Him face to face and He would say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, the earth and everything in it is being prepared for judgment. It's being prepared for fire. And if you're not found in Christ, then you will be a part of that judgment. That's the warning. Don't get all distracted that Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's promised and He will. Rather, we should be praising God of His patience. Right? I mean, seriously. Because I have dear friends that don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior that I pray for. I have family members that have rejected Christ, which they simply do by not accepting Him. You're either for Him or you're against Him. There's no middle line. You're not like on the fence. Some of you have people you're married to who you love dearly. Praise God He hasn't come back yet because there's still hope. There's still hope. We don't want to think that God has failed us. No, He is an awesome God that loves every single person. Why? Because He has created them in His very own image. And there is intrinsic value. He is an awesome God that loves every single person in this world. He hasn't forgot His promise of His return. He says here in verse 8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and like a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing for any to perish, but 
for all to come to repentance. Don't, don't let the fact escape your notice, brothers and sisters, that God doesn't work on our time schedule. God is eternal, and our time does not affect His decision. I mean, praise God He didn't come back prior to March 25th, 2001, because I would have died and gone to hell. Because I was a rebellious sinner, not saved by the grace of God. I rejected God, I rejected the things of God, and I loved my sin. But praise God, He didn't come back just a few years ago either, before my father and mother were saved. Before they got born again. Or they wouldn't have made it into the kingdom of God either. Praise God that He hasn't come back in the last two months because I've seen over two dozen people pray to receive Christ on the internet alone. Dozens of souls coming to Christ. Praise the Lord that He hasn't come back right this very second. Because there may be some in this room or watching this video that have never professed Jesus, never trusted Christ as their Lord, and they would not be ready for Him to show up. So in the waiting, in all of the suffering that we faced as a people, all of this sin that has ruined our world because of sin, we have pain, we have suffering, we have separation, we have all of these things that because of sin has entered, we endure for the sake of the patience of God. And He would draw men and women to Himself for salvation. While the Lord is not slow about His promise, He is coming back, let me make that very clear, and it very well may be today. Now the question is, are you going there or He's coming here? It makes no difference. The question is, are you ready to see Him face to face? Never been to a funeral where somebody said, man, He had enough time on this earth. It was never enough time, is it? We need more time. But the reality is, it's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. Are you ready to see God face to face? Only you can answer that, my friends. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. It's like motocross racing. It's not a matter of if you're going to fall. It's a matter of when you're going to fall. It will happen. The question is, are you ready? Are you prepared? God has been so patient toward us. Towards you toward me and to all of those that have been saved and to those that have not been unsaved either. They've never been saved. He's been so patient. And as long as He tarries, He is expounding His patience towards humanity. Because listen, we, no, despite what the commercials tell you, we don't deserve anything but hell. Salvation is a gift of God. It is by His grace. Because we've broken the law of God. We have offended a holy and righteous God. 
You ever told a lie? Yes. You ever stole anything? Yes. You ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Somebody told me no. I said, well, you just told me he was a liar. <laughs> you see, the reality is, is there is not one of us who have not broken the law of God. And therefore, we have something in common. We're all in need of grace. And God's timing is grace. God's tarrying is grace. And He has provided a rescue mission for you to be saved, for you to be redeemed, if you would believe on Him. Listen, while the Lord is not slow about His promise, He's coming back. We need to be prepared. Don't miss this. God is patient towards you. It says, not wishing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. You can put that in your theological bank. God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wishes that none would be destroyed. This is the heart of Almighty God. Obviously, He gave up His Son that you might live, that you might have life. But listen, you have to do it God's way. You can't be your own little lowercase g God and make it to heaven. No, God is the one who created you. God is the one who created this universe. God is the one who created the method by which we can be saved. And we don't get to choose. He gets to choose that. And that's why He sent His Son that you might have life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appropriate time. Wait no more. Today make it right with God. Listen, this morning it's very vital you understand the cross of Christ is sufficient to save all, but only efficient to those who believe, to those who call on His name. And the Bible says, for whoever will call upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Would you call on Him today? Peter knows the future is coming. Second return of Christ is on its way. And when that day comes, it will be too late. He wants to save you. And so He's made a way to save you. He's made a way that you might become right before Almighty God. And the question lies with you today. Will you believe on Christ? If the Spirit of God is swaying you in your heart, then respond to the grace He's given to you. Don't let your pride hold you back. Believe today. Listen, Jesus died and took your place. He bought you for a price that you couldn't afford and He's been very patient towards you and to me. To all of us. And He desires for all to be saved. Verse 10 reminds us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night when which the heavens will pass away and with a roar and the elements be destroyed with immense heat, intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Listen, the thief does not come announced. A good thief surprises you. Like, if he was going to break in my house, now would be the appropriate time. Because I ain't there. If I knew he was coming last night, he would have a bad day if he showed up. But a good thief comes unannounced when you're not ready. 
We can be prepared for His coming is what Peter wants us to understand he's trying to get across. He wants you to know that when these mockers begin to mock, He's not coming. Listen, He's coming. Make no mistake. You can bank on it. Just like in the past, He said He was coming. They mocked Him, but He came. Remember Noah? Noah told the people, the flood is coming. The rain is coming. Get in the ark. Get in the boat. Be saved. And what do they do? They're rejected. And the door was shut up. And there were only eight shut in. But all of those eight survived. And were brought in to life. They mocked Him, but it came. We're now told in the present that He's coming in the future holds his return and Peter wants you to know that listen don't be dumb on purpose know the past understand the present and beware of the future trust in the Lord for the day will arrive the question is are you ready repent and believe the gospel let's pray hey thanks for joining us on our program today We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through 2 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us. God bless and have a great week.